Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? So we've never done this before, and uh, we're, we're super excited about it. Um, for those of you guys who are, who are new, we want to just welcome you. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're, we're super excited. We've been in a series entitled Relationship Rhythms, and uh, it's going to be fun, huh, babe? Yes. Let's go. Yes, it will be. Um, listen, we know that you guys could be anywhere on a Sunday, and you choose to be here and I just wanted to, to make, uh, throw out just kind of a little caveat. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, about marriage today, uh, but can I just say, if you're single or if you feel a call to singleness, believe me, we're not going to leave you out. And, uh, and, and all of these principles we're going to talk about, we've been very careful to make sure that this is a relationship series for everybody. Um, so any, any principle we talk about, you can apply to any relationship, whether it's family, whether it's friendship. Of course, there, there's going to be one point that you can't. Um, but, but other than that, there's, there's going to be, uh, the, the principle will stand. And so, uh, so we're going to pray yes. and we're going to jump in. These chairs are big. You guys have like little leg problems. They're not reaching. Should we sit forward or back? I don't know. We'll decide. However right. you're comfortable. <laughs> Jesus, we just invite you into this space, yes, Lord. Lord. Will you just come and have your way as we dialogue and as we just, if we are married, you would just give us those nuggets of truth that we can just walk with and incorporate into our marriage. And for those of us who aren't there yet, Lord, we store them away. Um, this can be used in marriage context, and it can be used relationally, Father. And so in every fashion, have your way, Holy Spirit. You do what you do because yes, you're better at it than we are anyways. Yes. So, Father, the words that you want in their hearts, you do it. Yes, Lord. We submit fully to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, amen. guys, we want to kick off with a funny little video, so check this out. That, that kid was my favorite. He's just walking with a fishing pole right in the middle of the ceremony like, hey, going to get some fish. It's going to be a great day. That was awesome. Well, uh, we've been married for 15 years. Uh, do you remember our wedding day? I do remember our wedding day. You know, it's so funny. Much. Like six months into our marriage, we did this um, newlywed game. And I'm an introvert. Hi. And um, they were like, hey, we're going to go up. We're going to do a game. We're going to ask you a series of questions. And I freeze when I freak out. Does anybody do that? Like you're mentally, you shut down and you just can't think. And somebody was like, well, let's help you practice. When did you get married? Uh, and I totally could not answer the question. And it was like six months beforehand. I was like, I have, I have no idea what date it was. Yeah. But this guy has a memory of an elephant, so. 
No, and I think, man, we've had an incredible 15 years. It's been, it's been an awesome journey. But as you heard last week, man, there's been moments where it's, it's been a little bit challenging. And so uh, I would say marriage is so much fun. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter. Um, but, babe, what, what yeah, else is it so about? it is. It is fun. And it is um, meant to be thriving. It is meant to be full of life and laughter. Marriage is meant for those things. And so are relationships. But how do we get to a fun marriage? Mm. How do we do that um, with all that life has for us, all the, that goes on, kids and all the like? How do we do that? If you're taking notes, we want you guys to jot this down. Marriage is a call to life together, yeah. but it's also a call to die to self. Hey. We are going in, guys. We're going there. That is there. huge. Now, now, like I said, if you're, if you're single or maybe you feel the call to singleness, man, that, that's awesome. But can I just tell you, nine? Th- this is a huge topic. So... I, Everybody lean in because 90% of people end up getting married, 90%. So it's, it's a huge topic, but, but I like to, I don't know, we, we've been talking about marriage like a seed, right? Because marriage, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery. And it, it, the Bible speaks of this mystery of two becoming one, like people with different personalities, traits, talents, giftings, coming together complete is one. And, and I think it, it really kind of aligns with the mystery of the seed, because here you, you have a seed that it, it fits in the palm of your hands, yet it grows into a living structure that can be twice the size of your house, right? You have a seed that that's, starts with one grain, but is the source of a thousand grains. And then you have, you know, a seed that's able to, to be dormant for a while, but can be stirred to life in a matter of moments if placed in the right environment. But the key to the seed just like the key to marriage, is that unless it dies, it will not produce fruit. And so Jesus said it best like this. He said in John chapter 12, verse 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So I want you to get this picture as Jesus really modeled this for us. Like Jesus died in order to be in relationship to us. I want you to think about this. Um, not only did he die to, uh, to be in a relationship with us, but he also invites us to die to ourselves that our marriages and our relationships would thrive, that, that, they would, that we would be able to live life to the fullest, that, that as we die to ourselves, that our relationships would bear much fruit. Now, you may be asking, do we really have to die? You guys know that hashtag, asking for a friend? Like, that was me. I was like, do I really have to die in order to have a thriving marriage? And I think it can be countercultural today. We look around, and we see a lot of she sheds, man caves, and we see a lot of vacation she sheds. I never even heard of that. I want one of those. I do. There's crafts won't be in there. It would just have a bed. A bed. That would be my she shed. No crafts. I can't do crafts. Um... (laughs) But, you know, we see a lot of that all over social yeah. media, all over articles in newspapers, right? We see the idea of in order to be happy and healthy, we have to separate ourselves. 
Yeah. She shed, man yep. cave, we have to go on vacations alone. We have to implement rhythms of, you know, um, going out by myself. It's very solitude driven. And I think those yeah. things are fun. And I think those things can be great and they are assets. I just got back from a retreat in Montana. So I am for those things. Right. But we have to be really careful not to emphasize that that is how we become happy because that's not the truth. The truth is it is a dying to ourselves. Yeah. It is a compromise it is a coming closer it is enjoying one another's company through sacrifice um and so yeah and sometimes it's hard to die would you guys agree with me like it like dying to yourself like this isn't like the marriage topic like you you want to talk about right like let's talk about all the good stuff but but this is the good stuff yeah this is where all the good stuff is birthed it's birth listen it's a call to life by dying to self some of us do the cowboy dying. Y'all know those like old westerns. The cowboy death. <laughs> the cowboy death. That was that's me. I'm like knocking over tables. I'm taking people down with me. Like <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> it's true. I, I, it's true. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, On the real, it's so true. <laughs> But, but, but I, I think, like, like, like this, is, this is not new to Scripture. I mean, God speaks very clearly about this. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, 24, I'm just going to hit the first part here. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That every follower of Jesus is called to a life of, of submission and humility. Every single follower of Jesus. Like, 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 you can't get away from it. Paul speaks about submission and humility as really the foundation to, to all the different aspects of relationship that he talks about here in Ephesians. It, it, it's huge. See, in the kingdom, we're not, you know, it's, it's, we're on the same team, and none of us are greater than one another. The cross levels the playing field. We all stand before God equal, uh, period. But, but, but I think it's, it's important that we know not only that we're not superior, but, but the basis for us really living... Um, a life of submission and humility, right? We're going to live our lives in submission to Christ. We're going to live our lives into submission for one another. And even just that word submission for some of us is like, ugh. It sounds so negative because a lot of times we've experienced it in a negative context, in a negative context. But, but I love what it says. It says that it says um, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like the motivation for your submission is going to come out of your fear of the Lord. It's going to come out of your awe of God. I remember we talked about it a, a few weeks back. We talked about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I, I want you to get this picture that your submission in relationships, your humility will be determined by your submission to Christ. The degree that you submit to one another will, will, will be determined by the degree that you are in awe and, and in, in fear and wonder and in submission of the God who created you. I think it's just special and powerful. And then I'm going to let you take that next part. Thank you. We're jumping off a cliff, ladies and gentlemen. Are you guys ready? We're starting off with this one. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> you are a brave soul. I don't know who did that. We don't need a point. We don't need a look. It's cool. It's cool. 
<laughs> I know that for some of, like, for a lot of us, that strikes a chord. I know for me, when we first got married, it strikes a chord with me. What does that mean? And I think Matt said it really well. We've experienced that a lot of times in negative context and in negative it's connotations, true. the word submission. But really, the word submission is so beautiful and it is so powerful. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, what submission is not very quickly. Submission isn't the dominance of man. Yeah. No, it is not. Submission is not the dominance of man. Submission isn't abusive relationships. Right, right. Submission isn't in all areas. I know sometimes we can look at that and no, it's not just do what I say when I say how I say it. That's not what submission is. Yeah. And submission isn't using this verse as a way or a tool to wield over your wives, gentlemen. Yeah. That's not what this scripture in this context is for and that's not what submission is. Submission is really a powerful thing, ladies. And um, I'm going to share a quote with you from Kathy Keller. Her and her husband pastor a church, uh, Redemption. And she says, submission means that in matters of disagreement, I yield to my husband. Wow. I yield to him the deciding vote. I get a vote. He gets a vote. And if we're in a, a split, he gets the deciding vote. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to describe it. Uh, Matt and I have experienced that many of times in our marriage where we just come to a crossroads. We both plead our case in whatever the area of interest is. And if we're in a disagreement, it's me yielding to my husband. I trust you. I trust you to make a beautiful decision for our family. I trust you. You listen to the Holy Spirit. I trust you that you are going to lead our home. And listen, if, if that's not you and you're not sure, like there's just maybe not a relationship with the Lord, I, tr I trust, like trust Jesus. Hmm. Because in submitting that to your husband, you are submitting to the Father. And that yeah. is something that he will honor. Yeah, I, I think it's huge because never once do I think like I am the husband. No. Submit. Like, that is such the wrong perspective. He would not be and here today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm get, just kidding. Give me. That was a joke. That was a joke. It was a joke. No, she, she's not lying. She's telling the truth. Um, but let, let me tell you why. Let, let me give some real context of why. Let me give some context of why. Because, guys, we're not exempt. Right, we're not exempt. So, so for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her, that's huge, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So, so get this, look, look at that standard, that the same sacrificial love that Christ gave for us, his church, his life, I mean, gave his all, I mean, suffered a horrible death on the cross, why? F f that, that we might be in relationship with him for our good. I, I, I love this picture because a lot of times this is a, these are f familiar verses in, in Christendom. A lot of times they're distorted and taken out of context and, and, and truthfully ignored. But, but when you start to think of the degree that we're called to, to, to humble ourselves, that we're called to lay our lives down, it's not a one-sided deal. Are you tracking with me? And, and I think just as the Savior, what does the Savior do? The Savior provides. The Savior comes and, 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 and uh, wants to see the very best. The, he came to, to, to make sure that we would have life and to have it more abundantly. In that same heartbeat, God calls us to pursue our wife. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's, that floors me, but this gets even better. He also came to, to wash us. Mm -hmm. 
that we would be clean, that we would be forgiven to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and as husbands, listen, the, one of the number one goals should, that we should be focused on is the purity of our wife. Like, like leading her to, um, to, to, and cultivating such a relationship with God, with, within our relationship, within our home, um, that, that it, it leads to this place of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We need to pursue our spouse with that same heart that Christ did. And that's deep. Like when you get into this text, it's so rich. And we don't have time to break everything down. But, but, but then it goes on to say, in the same way, husbands, you ought to love your, your wives we are to love our wives just as we love our own bodies for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. And so some of us need to love ourselves a little bit better, I think, because it, it does reflect in our relationships. We don't take care of ourselves, um, but that, that's another sermon. But I think with the same attention we give to ourselves, wow. our bodies, our lives, yeah. God says, man, you're to give that same attention, that same angst and conviction should bleed over into your relationship with your spouse. I mean, that's just so weighty. That's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. And, and I think what we see then both is not a distorted picture, but we see a mutual submission. Beautiful. That God calls us to a mutual submission. Where there's mutual submission in relationships, this is where you're going to find the best relationships. And like I said, it doesn't matter. Just it, this is in your marriage, right, babe? This is this is if if you're single or if you're in a family, whatever the case may be, you are going to find the best relationships where there's a mutual submission. Uh, John chapter 15, to prove my point, says this. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, "There is no greater love than this, that one would lay his life down for his friend." So this just isn't a marriage thing. This is a relationship thing that we are to lay our lives down for one another. So I would say simply that life equals submission yeah. or submission equals life and selfishness equals death. Absolutely. So this morning, guys, we've titled the message, Don't Punish Yourself, Die to Yourself. Hey. Don't punish yourself, die to yourself. Last week, Matt shared um, three key things that can really set our family and our marriages and relationships off on a great start. What were they? They were pray together, right? Develop a rhythm of praying for one another and with one another. They were getting in the scripture and dialoguing with one another, and it was also attending church weekly, right? So we laid that foundation last week. And this week, we want to go into some things that require dying to self, yeah. And we're going to hit a few key points. Um, you know, when Matt and I, again, we shared last week, or he shared last week when we came to Fountain, there were some really big bumps that we encountered in our marriage. Um, and what we want to do is in that season, we learned in the new crushing, in the new tension, in the new squeezing, new rhythms were necessary for us in order to survive. Um, we were fighting one afternoon. It was in the middle of the day. We were in our room. The sun was out. And we were just going about something. I don't remember what it was. And Matt just threw his hands in the air and just kind of in an exasperated tone. He was like, is this it? Is this what we're going to do? Like, is this the rest of our yeah. lives? Yeah. And he just said, we're not going anywhere. You're not leaving me. I'm not leaving you. Like, we're in this. And so are we going to spend the rest of our lives making each other miserable and just not enjoying life? Or do we want to just see the full potential that God has for our marriage? Yeah. 
Do we want to enjoy marriage? Do we want to enjoy yeah. one another? Do we want to experience God's love, God's blessing, God's fruitfulness, God's faithfulness? Do we want our kids yeah. to grow up in a healthy and, and happy home? And obviously the answer to all of those questions was yes. And I remember that as such a pivotal point in our marriage because yeah. um, I wanted the same thing. It was just sometimes we can get blinded by different things that come into our viewpoint and we're no longer seeing clearly. And so this morning we're going to traverse through those rhythm nuggets that God really just kind of highlighted to us, some from before and some that were developed recently um, in these last years that we've been at Fountain. But enjoy these little nuggets. No, and I I think it's so good because there's a lot of things we could talk about today in regards to relationships, but we want to give you nuggets today, rhythms today that require dying to yourself. Like, there's a lot of things we could talk about that don't require dying to yourself, but there's some that it requires a death. Some, sometimes a cowboy death, uh, but, it, but it requires a death. And so the first one is this. The first one that's really helped us in, in, in our relationship and in our marriage is this one. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me uh, oops, let me back up. I think they messed up. My slides are messed up. There we go. Um, one more. Bam. Uh, the first one is this. Don't punish each other for being honest. Don't punish each other for being honest. Look at your neighbor and say, don't punish each other. Now, can I just tell you that honesty is huge. Like in your marriage or in your relationship, you will not grow if you do do not have honesty. You You will find yourself stuck in dysfunctional rhythms if you don't have honesty. And I think a lot of times we're, we're, we don't want to be honest because we're afraid. We're afraid of the other person's response. We're afraid of how we're going to be viewed. So let me give you a couple of ways that, that we punish each other. I know punish is a strong word. But let me show you, give you a few ways of, of how we punish each other for being honest. I, I think one of those things is rather than um, responding when someone's being honest, we react. And, and we, we, we jump right to uh, maybe a defensive mode, right? Or, or we start to give excuses, I think one of the ways that we punish each other for being honest is we put a guilt trip on the other person. Like, see, you're just making it all messed up. You know, why are you stirring the waters, right? I think another way we punish each other for being honest is we take a woe is me approach. Oh, man, see, I'm just so messed up. I'm just so messing up this whole marriage. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm the, and, and you make it all about you when they're trying to be honest and process something that That's they're good. going through. That's um, I, I think I think that that's a huge deal. Yeah. I, I think also uh, some of you we love to shut down, right? Shutting down is a way to punish your spouse for being honest. You just okay, you done? Next, next. It's for dinner, <laughs> right? Shut down. I, I think I think one of the worst ones is defensiveness. I think that's why people just sometimes we're not honest because we don't want to go there. We're like, man, if if we if I. If I'm actually honest and I know you're going to get defensive, it's going to, make, it's going to create a whole argument. I don't want to argue. So then we just stop being honest. Yeah. Or we, we start to give defenses of all the reasons why they're wrong. Or we spin it on them and make it, you know, point out how it's all their fault when they're just trying to be honest and share their heart. And we just got to spin it real quick. Or we minimize their honesty. It's not a big deal. Why are we even talking about That's this? Good. And so, so let me just tell you what, what Jesus said. Jesus said it best. He said, 
He said, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Can I just tell you, I think that many are bound, many relationships are bound, many marriages are bound because there's a lack of truth. And so deception and denial have created the rhythms. And you may be functioning but not thriving. And sometimes the truth hurts. That's why the Bible says that Jesus embodied both truth and grace. Yeah. So, so I didn't say, we, we, didn't, we didn't say be brutally honest. Do you know, we, we said, hey, uh, don't punish each other for being honest. And we want, always want to communicate honesty with gentleness and, and respect. But sometimes it hurts. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a time that you came to me, and, uh, and I've said this before. And Jackie said, she said, babe, um, can I be honest with you? You, you know when they say that? They know. It's, it's a great, like, get ready. It's like, all right. It's coming. Let's go. Let's go. And, uh, and she said, she said uh, man, I feel like you're really good at discipling other people, but you're not good at discipling me. And how many of you guys know, like, I had a thousand reasons why she was wrong. And I can communicate a little bit, so I think I could have spun that in so many different ways. But it was the truth, and it was where she was at. It was how she was feeling. So it didn't even matter if it was right or wrong. It's like, man, this is where my wife is at. And so that's where we have, we have to start. And so it's not always easy, but, but, but man, I just had to take a moment. I'm like, man, I could see that. And so let, let's figure it out. So all of a sudden, we're able to create a new rhythm because there was honesty. Not only does it bring uh, truth, bring freedom, but it also brings healing. Yeah. James says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We use this for our small groups all the time. Yeah. But can I tell you, this passage is for your marriage. It's not just for your small group. Like, as you're being honest and confessing things, even things that you're struggling with, man, that provides an opportunity for you to really pray for one another, and God brings healing. Now, there, there was a moment where we were in the thick of it. So it was maybe about two years in here, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, I think maybe two. Maybe two. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, so we, we, we just had this moment where we said, all right, and not every marriage can handle this. This is not gospel. Don't take, this is our experience, <laughs> so don't, don't practice this at home. This was my favorite, though. But, but we, said, we said, all right, let's just sit down and tell me how you really feel about everything. Just be brutally honest. Yes, we did. And she told me to do the same. And so we just said, all right. Let's go. We really, like, gloves came off. And so we and just we sat did. down and we're like, man, this is how we really feel. Man, halfway through, we started to laugh. <laughs> then we started to realize how much lies and deception we yeah. had bought into yep. uh, in regards to one another. Yeah. And then there was something about that confession. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember anything that we had talked about. I can't recall one thing that you said, honestly. No, me either. But I do remember the powerful moment in that conversation where, like, God did something there. Yes. There, was, there was a confession. Yeah. There was a repentance. And God brought a healing. And so, yeah. so I, I just think, man, don't punish each other for being honest. If, and, and, and if you're the one that makes it unsafe in the relationship, got to deal with your pain. Because you're not, you're not, you don't allow that for reasons. You got to deal with your past. Um, because I'm telling you, you don't want to live in dysfunctional rhythms. 
yeah. deceptional rhythms and denial rhythms. It'll hurt you. Yeah, I, re- I do. I remember that moment very vividly. But like Matt, I don't remember what he said about me. I remember laughing because they were ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they were so, so far in left they field. They were so, so far in left field, guys. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's amazing what deception can do. Yeah. to how you look at your spouse. So true. <laughs> we laugh like, what? You really thought, like, I did that? You really thought I thought like that? Like, it was just so crazy. But we did. We ended up laughing yeah. and repenting to one another. Yeah. Like, gosh, I'm so, we're so sorry we got ourselves to this point yeah. where we're looking at, our, at each other through broken glasses. Um, but we were at that point in our marriage where it was like, listen, this is, this is where we're at, yeah. and we need to do this in order for us. Yep. Like he said, this was something we needed to do to move on. Yeah. Um, and that was a nugget that was given to us while we were engaged. Yep. And so I think that one little thing, guys, set our marriage off on a great trajectory. It did. Where from the very beginning, um, we allowed one another to be honest. Yep. Um, that leads us to point number two. Don't go to bed angry. Hey. How many of y'all have heard that? Like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. How many of you guys still do it? Don't be embarrassed. My hand and my feet are up with you. Like I, in the beginning of our marriage, I went to bed angry yeah. whenever we fought. I was just like, I'm... True. Facts. F- facts. <laughs> and we'll explain more later. Um, <laughs> Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says, don't and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Yeah. Now, I, I knew that scripture when I got married. I knew it, and I didn't see the significance of it. I'm just yeah. going to be straight. I was like, I, like, okay, cool, great, don't go to bed angry, got it. That's really hard to do. Well, it was really hard for me to do. Um, anytime I get angry, and I don't know if anybody is like that, like me in this room, but when I get angry, I shut down, mm. and I just don't talk to me, don't look at me, give me space, I need to process, I need to think, right? Like, it's all of it. very complicated. It's very complicated. <laughs> what's even more complicated, <laughs> is, what's even more complicated is this gentleman is like, what's wrong? How you feeling? What's going on? What's it? How you? <laughs> Guys. That's true. When you get two people in a marriage and one of them is like, ooh, I am like a teapot. I'm real hot. I need to like, I need Jesus. And then you have the other one who's like, I need, I need, I need resolution. Like now. Like yesterday. Before we even fight, we need an answer. Like when you have two opposing, when you have two opposing, like we are both in opposite corners when it comes to how we just kind of deal and kind of go through our anger. Um that could be a difficult rhythm to kind of develop, yeah. right? Because one is pressing, one needs the space. Um, I'm gonna, we'll get into that a little bit later. But why is anger so bad? I, I fell for the lie that when I slept, it went away. Because I woke up and I was an angel. I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel great. I love you. Life is good. Let's move on. We're fine. Yeah, and I did that for years because why? Every morning I felt great. Yeah. Every morning. I was like, I just needed to sleep on it. I'm fine now. Well, a few years into, um, found, not a few years into Fountain, like five years ago, I stopped going to bed angry, just so you know. 
But, but I didn't realize the damaging effects of going to bed angry. Yeah. And Jesus, through a freedom moment, revealed to me what exactly it was doing to my subconscious. Yeah. And it's amazing because I found this um, article in the New York Times. And it says, it's from, the, um, from neuroscience. It was a neuroscience study that was done on over 100 men and women. And this is what they discovered. Going to sleep after experiencing negative emotions appears to reinforce or preserve them. After an unsettling experience, many people have trouble sleeping. Perhaps the brain's way of trying to keep the memory or emotions from being stored. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, as much as we can laugh about going to bed angry, yeah. it is so detrimental to your heart and to your soul. It's true. And I experienced the reality of this when the Lord just peeled back the, the eyes of my heart. And I was looking at my husband through the lens of brokenness. Wow. All that, all those years of going to sleep angry gathered up in my heart. And my husband never had a clean slate. Hmm. Because the, the arguments that went unsettled, my viewpoints that went unsettled, what got me angry and I didn't give him an ability to speak to me, to bring clarity, to bring peace, to bring resolution, resolution it settled in my spirit. Wow. It settled in the deep recesses of my subconscious, and the poor guy did not have a clean slate with me. Anytime something came up, my filter was instantly years of unresolved anger. Hmm. And I had no idea. Wow. That is the scary part. I had no idea that I had never allowed Jesus to wipe his slate clean with me. Yeah. And so... Anger is a beautiful, it, anger is an emotion given to us by the Father. I love that the scripture says that when you're angry. Why? Because anger is an emotion. Yeah. I feel it. When I get mad, I get angry. Mm -hmm. um, what we want to make sure we do, though, is handle that emotion the yeah. right way. That's good. We need to be diligent with that emotion of anger because it can turn into grudges, it can turn into bitterness, and it can turn into a very big mess of a rhythm. So, what do we do? Really quickly, um, how can we still experience anger? Because it's going to happen. Hello, we're married. Yeah. We're in relationship. We're going to have buttons that are pushed, right? Yeah. Um, how do we do that? Number one, you want to resolve it quickly. Super simple, right? Like I said earlier, if I'm mad, I am sometimes like, you don't want me to talk when I'm mad. <laughs> because, like, man, I just get mad. Um, you don't want me... <laughs> But she doesn't yell. I'm not a yeller. She doesn't yell. She, it's, it's what she doesn't say. That's scary. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'll it's, just it's look the, at you. It's that, it's that silence. It's like, oh, man, where am I at? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not a yeller. No, no, no. It's not like that. But um, you do want to resolve it quickly. And so Matt, you know, he is somebody that needs it done ASAP. So what do we do? We come to an agreement. I need space. If yeah. you're a space person and you just need that to process, why do I need space? Because I need the Holy Spirit. Because I don't trust my tongue. Yeah. Right? By God's grace, we don't use words against each other. Yeah. Cursing. Like, we've, that's never been a rhythm of our marriage. But you can still hurt <laughs> without using those words. Absolutely. So I need the Holy Spirit to come and help me because, ooh, I'm feeling this right now. And then I need him to process with me. 
I'm hurt, I'm mad, I'm angry, process with me, Jesus, and I need time to cool down and like just, ooh, I just need to be. And so what do we do? I can't tell Matt I'll talk to you tomorrow. I can't tell him I'll talk to you in eight hours. I can't leave him in that space. That's rude. (laughs) I would die. He would. Um, And that's rude. So what do we do? We just come to a mutual. Like, hey, if it's a big, big, big deal, I need 30 minutes. Like, I need, just give me 30 minutes and then we can reconvene. Um, Or if it's like smaller things, like we'll just be like 15. Yep, 15's good. Just give me 15 minutes. Yep. But it creates that space. I get my space and he gets the immediate reconciliation that he needs. And both of us are able to go to sleep without anger and having it get buried in the recesses of our mind. Yeah. But it's a a rhythm of setting a time. You can set your own time. Just don't set like, you know, a thousand hours, you know, like make it realistic. And don't set it by yourself and yeah, not tell them. That's, that, that is, yeah. That, that don't do that. Communicate. Communicate. Um, but, but that is a rhythm of our marriage now. Now we really don't even need to set a specific time, but we used to have to. Yep. Now it's just a part of how we flow. Yep. Um, that leads us to number two, communicate graciously. Like Matt already hit on that a little bit, so we're not going to go into detail there. Um, but the Bible says in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs it up. And so communicate with grace. Yeah. Just, I know when Matt and I are at odds, ultimately, I don't want to be. And so I know I want redemption in whatever is, is ruffling our feathers in the moment. And so yeah. that is my end result, just reconciliation. And so a gentle word is definitely how you want to um, help process that anger. Yeah. Number three, don't use your personality as an excuse. This one is like my favorite. If you have been in growth track, you hear us talk about it a little bit at step two. So if you haven't, get in there because it's really fun. Um, But don't use your personality as an excuse. We are... There is a multiplicity of personalities. Some of our personalities are a little bit more quiet. We can just kind of hide things. We don't need to talk about it. We don't need to dialogue. Some of us, my personality is D. It is a, a dominant personality. It is an A, an eight, right? I love to tell you how I really feel. Yep. And I do it very abruptly. I don't feel the need to be like, hey, I love you. You know that, right? Um... <laughs> I just need to tell you that you didn't make up the bed this morning. No, I'll be like, why didn't you make up the bed? Like, that's how I communicate. Just very straightforward. But I've learned in marriage, man, that's, yeah. that's not okay. Just because I love to be communicated to a certain way yeah. doesn't mean that I get to communicate to everybody that way. Right. And that right. was a really hard thing for me to, to process. Because I remember one time Matt said, like, okay, cool. I'm glad you're sorry. Because I'd be like, I said I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm exaggerating a little bit. Not much. But I would. I'd be like, I said I was sorry. Like, what else do I need to do for you? And (laughs) I remember, I remember one time. Welcome to our home. (laughs) Guys, this isn't now, okay? This was like 30 years ago. You've gotten so much better. This was, this wasn't like in the beginning and in the middle part of our marriage. I'm definitely not like this anymore, but I am being funny, but it's true. Um, And he just told me one day, he was like, man, I would love to see your heart in the delivery of, you know, whatever it was that was going on. (laughs) Because I would communicate very, boom, this is what it is. It's neuroscience. Take it or leave it. 
Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm taking too long on that point. Just communicate nice. Yeah. Deal with your anger. Don't use your personality as an excuse. It's true. Um, I, I think on my end, though, too, is, is also realizing that sometimes I, can, I don't need to take her on the journey. I can just get to the point. Right? Because that, that's going to fill, cool. fill her tank. So, so it works both ways. It does. Yes. Absolutely. Lastly, guys, um, forgiveness is very big. Anger, if there is unresolved forgiveness in your heart, anger is a byproduct. Yeah. And so Luke 17, 3 through 4, so watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if the sin even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Yeah. I love that it says rebuke them. That's like my favorite part. Um, <laughs> because you get, to, you get to communicate. Like it's saying, let them know. Man, that, that hurt. Yeah. Like when you did that, when you didn't do that, communicate that an offense was made. And then if they repent, man, I forgive you seven times in one day if they keep stepping on your toes and they repent. You gotta keep forgiving them. Right. Just as much as Christ has forgiven us for our sins, we need to do the same and extend it to others. So good. And that's the standard that we live by. And so, unforgiveness, guys, is detrimental to you. Yeah. It's detrimental to your relationships and it's detrimental to your marriage. Yeah. Um, unforgiveness, when we harbor it, it separates us from the Father. He yeah. tells us to leave your gift at the altar, don't even come until you reconcile the offenses that you have. Unforgiveness isolates us. You're alone in unforgiveness because nobody can understand where you're at and why you're there. And it can leave you in misery for a really long time. It's true. And unforgiveness opens up the door to demonic oppression. You just open up yourself to the enemy. You give him a foothold. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to give him any more access. Right. Like, Shut the door, and yeah. he's out. So and good. so unforgiveness, um, when we have that, and it's stirring in our hearts, and it's harboring in our hearts, it leaves you stuck, and you are immovable. Yeah. When you have unforgiveness in your hearts, guys, it's like walking through sludge. Yep. And you're not going to want to take a step yep. towards your spouse, towards the relationship. Allow Jesus in for the healing. Yeah. It really is for you and the Father. Forgiveness isn't giving the offender a pass. It's true. Forgiveness isn't just saying, what you did is okay. You're, you're not saying that. Yeah. You're saying, Jesus, I give you access to the wounds that were in my heart. And I operate in forgiveness. I yeah. choose to forgive. I don't choose to, to make it seem like it wasn't a big deal. Right. That's the biggest misconception of forgiveness. You're not in control or power. You've, you've lost that as soon yeah. as you start walking in unforgiveness. Yeah, and I think forgiveness always requires that somebody dies. Uh, either the person who's not being forgiven or the person who's going to forgive. Forgiveness requires suffering. Um, I think we see that with Jesus, right? It, it, without, the for, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So somebody's going to suffer, um, whether it's you or them. And that's why there's this call to die to self. Um, and this is, again, relationships across the board. Um, forgiveness as a follower of Jesus is always our move. It's always our responsibility. Um, but it, it, there, there is a cost to forgiveness, and, and it, it's, it's dying. Okay, we, we got to move quickly. Um, so the, the next one is this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. A willingness to move toward one another. A willingness to move toward one another. Now, this, this is where you get, like, compromise. Um, I, I like to say create slack. So, like, like, if Jackie and I, if we had a rope right now, and she was pulling on one side. I would win. 
Yep, she would win. She always wins, right? So she's pulling, I'm pulling, right? Um, what we want to do in our relationships, what we want to do in our marriages is we want to create slack. So if both people are pulling on the rope, everybody loses. And it doesn't even matter if, if one person is going to move, somebody needs to decide. We all need to be willing to die to ourselves yeah. and move close. Yeah. Because when you move closer, even though they're pulling, it creates slack. Yeah. Are you guys tracking with me on that? And, and, and the question a lot of times is, man, how, how do I actually do that? How do I do that? Well, there's a passage in 1 Peter 3, 7. It's amazing. It says, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. This word honor, it means to properly value. It, it, it means worth. It means that there's a weight um, that, it, that, that this, this word carries, this honor carries. But this is, my favorite def, this is my favorite definition in the Greek of this word. It's willingly assigned to something. It's, it's a willful heart that says, man, I'm going to choose to honor. A lot of times honor is not for the one receiving, it's for the one giving. And so I'm going to choose to honor. I'm going to choose to understand. But, but in order to properly honor, we have to have, I believe, the perspective of privilege. And so one, one of the things that, that I have that we have in our life is gauges. Gauges that let us know when things are getting out of whack, right? You have a gas gauge to know when you're running low. You guys get the point. And so, so, so for me, one of the gauges that I have is when I start to get irritated with her or short or frustrated easily, I know that my privilege tank has diminished. You know, because there was a time that I was begging God, like, let this woman like me, please, right? And so I have to go back to that moment and realize the gift, the answer to prayer, the privilege that I have of being with this amazing woman. And what that does, as, as, as soon as that tank starts to fill, my, my heart starts to shift. The honor starts to increase. The understanding starts to increase. Because where there's no honor and understanding, there'll be distance. Where there's no compromise, there'll be distance. And I honestly don't think that people first fall out of love. I think they fall out of friendship. Because there's just always a tug that's created so much distance that they don't even know each other anymore. They, they, they don't hang out like, like they used to. We got to learn how to create slack. And I have some more stuff I want to say there, but let me just say, do whatever you can to get that privilege tank full. Remembering is a great thing. Man, and ask the Lord, man, I just, I remember how much I truly wanted this. And, and the vows that I made and the privilege that it is that God says she's a gift from God to me treasure her, honor her, don't take her for granted, and vice versa. Um, but I, I think the scary part is this, is God continues in this passage and says, treat her as you should or your prayers will not be, that your prayers, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. But like God is so serious about this that he says, I'll interrupt my relationship with you when there's a lack of honor and understanding in relationship with your spouse, especially in husbands in regards to your wives, like that's serious because everybody knows there can be no spiritual good without a fruitful prayer life. And a fruitful prayer life is not possible when you're at odds with your spouse or when there's a lack of honor and understanding. So this puts on a God lens for me, like literally a lens where I'm like, I can't even be mad at you if I want to because I need this clear. And it puts a God filter in our relationship.
And this, this is the, 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 the principle applies to you, ladies, but, but he's really speaking to the husbands. But, but the principle is the same. I, I love what uh, Wayne Grudem said. He said, so take time to develop and maintain a good marriage because it's God's will. It is serving God. It is a, it is a spiritual activity pleasing in his sight. So you got to find a way to get that privilege tank full, whether it's remember whatever you need to do. And we're going to go a little bit over because we got to hit this last part. We're going to hit it quick. We got We're just. We're going to. We just got to go there. Go fast. Last one is this. Don't hold out. Don't hold out. Y'all know out. what we mean. So we're going to talk about physical intimacy. And if there's kids in here, don't worry. We're not. We're not going. No. We're not doing anything. That's that's sideways. But but intimacy is so big. You know, in a marriage, intimacy. Uh, it, if it's healthy, it's talked about 10% of the time. If it's unhealthy, it's talked about 90%. So it, it, it's a huge deal. And I think a lot of even therapists try to separate emotional and physical intimacy. You need to work on emotional intimacy and before physical intimacy. And I, I would disagree. I would say you need to work on both at the same time because they both fuel each other. And so, so real quickly, you know, the five love languages, if you've never done that test, you should. But, but my love language is uh, words of affirmation and physical touch. And Jackie's love languages are acts of service and don't touch me. Uh, that is, is that accurate? Wow. That's accurate. Listen, <laughs> listen. We got to go quick, listen. though. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, Linda, listen, Linda. It's a reality, guys, when spouses are together. You have one that has a higher drive than the other one does. We want to be careful there because unhealthy rhythms develop very quickly. Yeah. The spouse that has the higher drive can instantly feel rejection because it's no, yeah. no, no, not right now. I'm tired, whatever the case is. Then vice versa, the spouse that has a lower drive, when the other spouse is wanting it, they can tend to feel like an object. What? Am I just an object to you? Right. Like, is that right. all you want from me? Yeah. And so we have to pause right there. And we really, and we're going to go into just really quickly the practicalities of it. But listen, you know, some of us, we come into our relationships with baggage right. in this area. Yeah. Some of us from past experiences that we've had. Some of us, there's been some abuse that has taken place. For some of us, there's been some internet things that have impacted this area of the marital bed. And my, my charge to you, or my charge to you is, yes, you need healing in all of those areas. In order to view the marital bed the way that God designed it to be viewed, you have to receive your healing in any one of those areas if you're coming in with baggage in that specific genre. But you cannot put your spouse on hold while you get your healing. Yeah. You cannot say, mm, I'm, in, I'm in process. I'm getting healed from these specific areas. This act with your spouse will aid in the healing yeah. that good. you need from Jesus. So pursue your healing because it will hinder you for the rest of your married life. Yeah but do it while you're still engaging with your right. spouse. And we know that there's some, there's some things, you know, physical elements, and, and that's man until death do we part. You know, we, we got to work around those things. Um, and, and I think there's also pornography is a major issue that a lot of, you know, um, couples cannot be uh, together as a result of an addiction to, to, to porn. And so um, those are something that if those are in, in operation in, in your relationship, you're going to want to just be careful and, and mindful of that. Um, but but I, I want you to know that this is such a sacred part, and, and we're talking about this just, just on a low level here this morning because it affects a lot of marriages. 
How do I know? Because I, I know. I talk to people. Um, I meet with people. And, and this is not taboo in the church. This is, this is sacred. This is in the scripture. It's, it's something that, that only, it's, it's so sacred that only the two of you as a married couple, I'm only, we're only speaking to married couples right now. If you're single, sorry, just take this one for the future. This does not apply for you right now. But, 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 but here, here's the deal, is that, that God considers this so sacred. He said, listen, husbands should fulfill the wife, his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Like, just think about that for a moment. And a lot of times, somebody's getting excited right now to say, hey, I want my needs satisfied. But that's not what it's saying. Well, what it's saying is this. What it's saying is there's a, there, you should not be thinking about you. That's not real intimacy. Real intimacy is you thinking about the other. It, it's a mutual submission. It, it's not selfish. You can go into intimacy selfishly, but it's, then it wouldn't be intimacy. It'd be something else. But intimacy is about thinking about the other's needs. And then the passage continues and says, don't deprive each other of sexual relations until you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Somebody's prayer life just went up. You're like, man, we, we are devoting our lives to prayer. Um, <laughs> afterward, you should come together again. Listen, afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is so huge. I want you to hear this rhythm as we close. That wherever there's a call to die to self, Satan is always looking for opportunity. Whether it's anger, he's looking for a foothold. Whether it's, it's here, he's looking for an opportunity. Where there's a lack of intimacy, he's looking for a seat for temptation. Like wherever there's a call to die, the enemy knows we don't like to die. So I'm gonna wait behind those doors and I'm gonna wait until you really wanna live instead of die and wait for those opportunities. And so let me just get really, really practical for a moment and we gotta, we gotta go quick. So, so one of the things that, that is really, you know, we schedule what's important to us. And, and sometimes it blows my mind that we don't do this in our, in our marriages or even in our relationships. But, but let me just tell you, when it comes to physical intimacy, I'm only talking to married couples, man, if it's a struggle in your marriage, put it on the calendar. Like that may sound like so rigid, but I've watched so many couples experience life as a result of the commitment. I'm just saying because it allows you to prepare. Um, it allows you know gentlemen to be a little bit more romantic at times. It allows you know the the opportunity to prepare emotionally, physically, mentally. I mean, it gives opportunity. It's a clear expectation, so that it's not on the spot. Like oh no, you know what I mean? Here we go. It's 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 a clear expectation. And so people, couples always ask me, well, well, what is like a healthy rhythm? And I would say, man, if there's zero, once a week would be great. That would be a great next step. Uh, if, if it's once a week, I think, I think two is kind of bare minimum. I think when you start to get in the three category, I, I think you're starting to develop a healthy rhythm of intimacy. And I, that's not a standard. That's not God's word. I'm just saying we're, we're, we're trying to build rhythms. You got to find out what works for you. But the important thing is, is that you're prioritizing it. Because I'm telling you, when, if it's not prioritized, it will become 90% of your marriage. Or where there's a lack of, there will be a distance and a disconnect, probably emotionally. And if you guys are both okay with it, you're both probably in denial of some things and have to work through some things, unless there's some you know, uh, physical things that, that don't allow you to do that. And so these are just some rhythms, but it, it's a call to die. Intimacy is a call to die. 
babe, would you close? Yep, absolutely. We're going to pray, guys. God definitely has a desire for us to, to have a thriving marriage, yes. a loving marriage. God's original plan for family was a conduit of his love. It was a conduit of his light. It was a conduit of his grace. That's God's original design for family. So, Father, right now, we invite you into just these areas of our hearts. Will you do business with us? Will you speak to us? Will you highlight to us areas that you are calling us to die to ourselves? All across this room, Father, we take a next step with you. We just ask you, what is that next step? What do you want that to look yes, like? Lord. We thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name. Listen, as with every head bowed, every eye closed, the motivating factor for all these things today to die is not for you to try really, really hard, but it's to, to get a greater glimpse of Jesus. That, that the clearer you see his death for you so that you would have life, the easier it is for you to die. When you see the clearly that Jesus... Uh, did not punish us for being honest, but rather he says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you. Well, when you start to see that Jesus moved toward us, was willing to move toward us when we didn't deserve it, for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It'll help you move toward one another. When you see that he, he is slow to anger and abounding in love, it'll help you to forgive and, and, and not go to bed angry. And when you see um, the, the death that he died, to be intimate with you and I. It will help you in your marriage to die to yourself. And listen, don't, don't leave here, especially on the intimacy part, say, well, man, the pastor said so. No, it's about, it's still not about you. It's about a mutual submission that you work out the details in a mutual submission, not in a selfish manner. And you watch what God will do. When the seed dies, it produces much fruit.